0: Hello. I want to make sure I can hear the other person on the other line. Can I get a hello? Hello. <laughs> hello, and welcome to another episode of Actors Inspiration with Amber Wegner. And today is episode one hundred. Woo! And so today I have a very special guest host because we're going to find out who the hell is this Amber Wagner anyways. So Ogie Durham, welcome back to the show. Thank you for being my host today. Take it
1: away. Well, I am, first of all, insanely excited and honored to get to roll reverse and introduce everyone to you. Who in the heaven Is Amber Wagner. Oh my gosh. Like literally stop me from crying right now. I love you so much. You are such an inspiration to me and to everyone that gets to meet you. And now to all of these amazing listeners that you have. You you. have you, I, I mean, you are an actor, you are a producer, you are you have casted movies, you have done so much you have written you I mean you are one of the busiest busiest women that I know and sometimes i I just wonder how do you fit all of it into your day is that my first question how do you <laughs> fit all of it into your day you know literally
0: one piece at a time because I do tend to put, a lot of things on my plate, if I think in advance, like what what is ahead of me, I can overwhelm myself. But if I literally look at my calendar and go, okay, these are my four tasks today or these are my 11 tasks today, and take it piece by piece. And Ogie, I am a napper. I know you're not a napper, but (laughs) I literally schedule in a nap. Like even if it's 30 minutes, it is scheduled so that I know that midway I take a reset
1: button, and then I can do the second half of my day. Okay, so what, listener, what I need you to know is I know Amber really well. So (laughs) when she says calendar, she literally has a book that she writes in. With highlighter. Yes, yes. It is very full. She is not talking about some uh, computer device that she... No, she is writing in it and it is... Just the most charming thing ever.
0: Well, and I Um, have to tell you where I got that is uh, we may or may not talk about my Susie Cakes time, but I worked with a woman named Nicole. Hi, Nicole Garrett. And she had a day planner that she highlighted all of her tasks. And I thought that was so fun to look at. And mm -hmm. she was always so organized. And I adapted that or adopted that from her and I'm obsessed because the one time that I tried to change my calendar over to my phone and my phone died, I said, never again. I am never again relying on a phone to keep me organized. I have been a pen and paper gal ever since. And I love it. So what I got from that is, do what brings you joy. Yes, whatever works for you. Other people work on their devices and it works. And that's great for me. I like colors. I like to write. I like to see it. I'm a very
1: visual person. That's just me. You may convert me back just listening to this right now. You may convert me back with the the jury's out. Uh, of so- pictures so that the <laughs> listeners can see my my calendar. <laughs> I love that. Um there, yeah, so there will be a photo accompaniment to this podcast today. Yes, I'm super into that. So, let's start with you're from Sacramento. Mhm. Yep. And you moved what ha- what happened in Sacramento that made you leave Sacramento? What was your drive? Yeah,
0: so I was 27 when I left Sacramento and I um you know, I grew up uh, in the restaurant industry. That is like where I, at 15 years old, got my first job hostessing at a restaurant and then ended up like climbing a restaurant ladder where I was, by the time I was 20, um, managing like a five-star restaurant. And Mm -hmm. um, my career kind of took off there. So by the time I was 27, I knew how to work really hard did that make sense? I knew how to work really hard. Okay. That just didn't sound right. Okay. Um, (laughs) And I knew how to make money, but what I didn't know how to do is stop. So it's not any, uh, irony that I work as hard as I do now. That's kind of just been ingrained in me to always go. It's like a survivor survival mechanism. And, um, and so I had had some money saved up, but what I knew is I didn't like the restaurant career provided me a life, um, that I didn't expect because I didn't finish high school and we may or may not touch in that, but I was able to still provide a career for myself, but it wasn't my passion. I was good at it. I was really good at managing people and managing restaurants. And I moved into the hotel industry, but something was missing inside of me. Like, I just Mm -hmm. was like, what am I doing? Like, even though I'm making decent money, I should be really happy. This should be great. I'm not happy. And so I went to um, Hawaii. I have a friend that lived in Hawaii at the time. And when I got there, I started reading the book, The Artist's Way. And I had this little job on the beach, um, where uh, it was a lingerie store on the beach. And so like the the what are they the the boats that come up, the cruise ships, you know, would unboard and all the little newlyweds would come into the lingerie shop and get something and they'd leave. And that was my day. Like Mm -hmm. that was it. So I had the entire day to read the artist's way and I did it. Like my life depended on it. Something made me just do all the homework, all of the tests, all of the everything. And by the time I was done, there was like a question that said, so now what? And I was like, I want to be an actor. Like I've always wanted to be an actor. I went to a, um, Uh, visual and performing arts school, but didn't have the guts to act. So I danced instead. So I'm like, I'm going. So I got a one way ticket to Los Angeles. And by this time I had about $87 to my name because I had spent all of my savings uh, while I was there. So it was kind of like go back to the restaurant industry or at a hotel job while I'm in Hawaii or take this risk with 87 bucks and throw the dice. And
1: 17 years later, I'm still here. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> so you you never finished high school. We just heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that you said there were a lot of shoulds in there. I should have. I should have. Mm-hmm. So you changed your shoulds to coulds, mm-hmm. right? I could. I could go to LA. I could do this. I mm-hmm. love that. One-way ticket, $87. Very, mm-hmm. very reminiscent of The Rock and I believe his $12. He has his 12 bucks production. Yeah. Um, it worked out. It worked out. So, uh, you never finished high school. So, what gave you the courage to say yes?
0: to this? You know, because when I left high school, there was always something in me that knew that I was capable. I never didn't think I was smart. I just didn't learn the way that other people learned. And I didn't, I didn't know later until I was, I didn't know until after I dropped out that I was dyslexic. And so I just found myself very frustrated. And sometimes I thought I was stupid, but mostly I was just like, no, I don't belong here. Like I just didn't learn in the way that the classroom setting was set up. It didn't work for me. Like there were some classes that I would really take in or some teachers that could meet me where I was at. And I learned well from them, but all the energy of all these kids in a classroom, like was too much for me. Um, and so I, I opted out. I was like, you know, I, I, you know, unfortunately, started dabbling in drugs and alcohol at a young age as well. And so that also started to veer me in, in a wrong direction. Um. So so when I got my confidence was when I started climbing the ladder in the restaurant industry. And I was like, see, I am capable. I can yeah. do this, you know. And so I had this inside of me. And so I've always had this little thing inside of me that said, yes, you can. You're never going to do it the way other people do it. You're always going to do it your way. And trust that. Just keep trusting and it's every time i try to conform is when i feel my my everything falling apart i'm like no you're doing it your way just do it your way it's it's
1: just so frank sinatra
0: it's so frank sinatra right that's my funeral song that one and um and over the rainbow everybody knows this and uh it's a party it's not a it's not a sad day but i want those songs played so everybody it's knows so now it's so funny yeah.
1: Frank Sinatra is my life song. That one's my yes! life song. I did it I love my it.
0: way. It's, it's your life <laughs> song. It's my death song.
1: <laughs> it's a good reminder. It's all relevant. So, so you moved out to LA. Who did you know here?
0: Um, I knew one person out here. Um, okay. So there was a gal, um, that had gone through this training course, which is where I met my husband. And she was like, you know, I'm doing this class and there's several actors in it. And I, because she knew I was reading not only the artist way, but I just read Conversations with God. And I'd read, um... Oh, the peaceful warrior. So I was on this kind of mission, this hunt, the self-discovery. And she's like, you know, I think there's a lot of like-minded people here. You might want to check this out. You know, so I ended up doing that and ended up working at that office that, you know, facilitated the, um, the classes just because I always knew I could make money. Like making mm-hmm. money can always get a job. If I have to be a hostess or a busser or a server or a bartender or, you know, I didn't know if I could get a management job right off the bat. So moving with $87 was not scary because there's always a way to make money. Like that that wasn't an issue. It was, it was a life that's fulfilling. That's what I want to do. I want to have a fulfilling life.
1: I love that. So, Did I answer your question?
0: I don't know. I digress. You
1: you did. You did. You said you had a friend here, a gal. Yes, yes, yes. A gal, which I really enjoy. I really enjoy that term. It's very like 40s flat, like, you know, time period. There's a gal in LA. Yes, a gal.
0: (laughs) A gal in LA. Yes, yes. So you have- Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, you. I keep hearing about this trust that you have in yourself, which is so beautiful, and this- knowing and this capability. And even though the outside world is reflecting something different to you, you know, you know, that you can trust yourself, you know, financially, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that if you follow your instincts, everything is going to go the right way. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have such an extraordinary innate intelligence. Mm. And I want to reflect back to you that that's a superpower. Mm. Thank so you. many people, so many people don't have that. So many people live their whole lives looking for that kind of trust.
0: Yeah. And I often wonder if it, it, thank you for saying that. I often wonder if it has to do with the fact that I was literally born on a new moon, which is the darkest moon. And I feel like I navigate, I can navigate through life in the dark. I can mm-hmm. find my way. I don't need to see the light. I am the light. Like oh. I- will turn on the light if I have to like, and I will help others find the way. I'm like, let me guide, let me, let me be the light. You know, I'm always willing to be the light. And I find that when I am in company that wants to dim the light or can't be around, you know, whatever it is that my energy puts off, it's when I try to dim my light that I start feeling super sad and super unlike myself Yeah. So I really that's why I love you and Heather and Holly and everybody in our tribe, because we are like minded, light working people. And that is who I want to spend my time with. And in life, I am often faced with people that are dark workers, not by choice, but because they just haven't figured out a way to find.
1: They're attracted to the light. Yes, yes, exactly. And so
0: everything, you know, you've heard me say it. We it's it's like an ongoing joke, but it's like, does that bring me joy? Does that bring you joy? And everything I do, I do at the core of my being in hopes of it bringing me joy. And that's my, that's my hope. That's my desire when I wake up in the day. And when I do this podcast, it's like, let me help just one
1: person hear one thing they need to, and let me bring them joy. That's all I want. That's all I want. It, It reminds me of Marianne Williamson's quote. Mm. about, you know, it is our light, not our darkness that we are most afraid of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who are you not to shine your light? Yeah. yeah. It is your yeah. responsibility to shine your light so that, like you said, so others can be guided. I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned Marianne Williamson. I always have several books at my bedside and I literally
0: have her book, The Gift of Change, which I'm only like a third of the way into, but I'm a huge fan of hers.
1: So. Uh, shout out to Marianne. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, you also basically did the Marie Kondo. Does this spark joy?
0: <laughs> yes. Who I've never seen this woman. And I know, I know of her cause you know, people speak of her, She's but great. joy is such like joy is so different than happy, you yeah. know? And it's like happy is a, is like a momentary thing and joy is deep within, you know, it's yeah. just this effervescence that comes from within us. And yeah. I, I, strive for joy. I would argue that happy is the best because you have a dog named happy. Happy is the best. She's lying with me right at this moment. Uh, I told Ogie for the listeners that usually I I sneak into my little pod uh, to do the podcast to make sure that the audio is good and, you know, I get good sound. But the very first episode I ever did, I just shot up in my bed and I literally recorded it from my bed and was like, let's see what happens. So I brought it full circle and I'm literally in my bed with my dog next to me. We may hear airplanes go over. My granddaughter is downstairs. We may hear hear her coo and I'm okay with all of it. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So also, I love that about you. You started this podcast. You know, you had been talking about a podcast for a while, and you had also done some YouTube videos, actually, mm-hmm. which uh, which are phenomenal as well. And you came back around to the podcast. For those of us who have resistance mm-hmm. and perfectionism, And I'm the, I'm not ready to do this. I don't know enough. Mm -hmm. How did you get over those blocks? I, it wasn't even a
0: conversation. It was like, (laughs) so, you know, I think it started with when I first started giving myself permission to promote what I'm doing on social media. And those were the first times that I would question, oh, should I post this? What are people going to think? Uh, am mm. I acting to this? Is it too narcissistic? Like all the questions that would come to my head. And when I fought through that and I thought, put this out for the people that need to see it, not for the people that don't want to see it. And anybody that doesn't want to see what I am offering, they don't have to follow me. And as Mm. I watched my numbers grow, I realized I was offering something that was resonating with, with people. And so I kept it going. And so then when I decided to do the podcast and hit send for the first time and promoted it for the first time, it was the same thing. I'm like, there's either going to be an audience that wants to hear This random person share their story about life and acting or they won't. And I'm not attached either way. And if it never works, then I can throw it away and say, well, I did a podcast once. You know, it's just I've let go of other people's opinions of me because for so long it has it ruled me for so many yes. years. Hence, I didn't get into acting until my late 30s because of my fear of the opinion of all the people in my life of who are she, who is she to do that? Who does she think she is? Why does she think she can be an actress? Does mm. she think she's special? You know, all those conversations, I fought
1: through them and said, F it. I want to do this. It's for me, not for you. Absolutely. So that brings me to you came here you worked at suzy cakes Mm -hmm. and managed and opened uh, a bunch of their life-changing bakeries (laughs) big smile on my face um i suzy cakes i am expecting carrot cakes to be sent to my door and red velvet cupcakes as well thank you best. Uh best the best the best the best the pandemic was really hard when they were closed. That was oh. the hardest part of it. Remember? Yes. I went to go get you uh, a carrot cake for your birthday and they were closed. And I just stood there. Yes. I was, I was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving on to that, you end up meeting your husband. Mm-hmm. And Paul is a phenomenal man, a wonderful human. He happened to come with four children. This is correct. So you very flippantly say that you're a grandma. Uh Uh-huh. Which is why you are getting notices from the AARP. Yes. Yes, I do. They believe that you are.
0: I am representing the AARP, apparently.
1: (laughs) But your grandchildren, who are your stepkids' children, Mm -hmm. what do they call you? (laughs) Gramber. And I love it so much. So
0: I became so to put a little bit in order. So I moved to Los Angeles at twenty. moved to Los Angeles. I was 28. I was 27 when I moved to Hawaii, 28 when I moved to LA. And I met my husband 20 days after I moved to LA. And uh, we were, you know, just friends. I wasn't looking for a relationship. Uh, He was actually exiting a marriage and going through a whole lot of stuff. So none of that was uh, appealing to me as far as a relationship went when I just moved here to be an actress, I'm like, woohoo, you know, I'm here to be a star and you're a really nice person, but no. Um, and, uh, you know, through his, you know, all of the stuff that he went through, I was supportive through the things that he went through. And he was also very supportive of me wanting to be an actor. And, um, and we ended up getting married when I was 31. And so for those from 28 to 31, I was doing a lot of like non-union work, tons of non-union background jobs. Um, I did a commercial workshop. In fact, I'm going to be interviewing my commercial coach, which was the first class I took, second class I took here in LA. Um, But with him, I booked like six commercials in six months. And I was Mm -hmm. like, whoa, look at this. This is amazing. I'm meant to do this. And then I joined the union and it was like screeching halt. Mm -hmm. and the, the booking stopped and I was like, Oh my gosh. And, um, so that was humbling, you know, it was very humbling. So the first three years that I was doing non-union background, um, you know, not a lot. was happening and my husband and I just got married and we were literally on our honeymoon and I was having bill collectors call me and I just told him, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, you know, you can always act. He's like, but if you've got yourself in a situation of debt, why don't you go back to work? Like get out of debt, feel like a good human being, save some money and then feel prepared to go into this acting because you weren't financially set up to start, which is so true. And that's yeah. what I like to stress to people is make sure you are, your finances are in a place to support the craft it's not free. It's, it's a business and there's cost in doing business. That's not cheap being an actor. Absolutely. And so that's what I did. That's when I ended up at Susie cakes and they had um, their first bakery in Brentwood. And I came shortly after they opened. And then, you know, when I started there, then they opened Calabasas and then, um, Newport beach. And then when they opened Manhattan beach, I moved over to the Manhattan beach store because that's, I live in South Bay. Um, But again, tick, 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 that my soul slowly started to die. As much as I love Susan and Houston and Nicole and everybody that I worked with, this is not what I came here to do. I did not come here to manage a bakery, and I did not come here to be, you know, the mother of four kids and a grandma and all these things. I love it. I love that I get this experience and this rich, full, beautiful family. But there was more that I wanted to do. And so, you know, during the my last few years of uh, Susie Cakes, I was actually drinking way more than I wanted to. And I'm like, all of this has to stop. And so I put the bottle down and and woke up. Like in 2013, I was like, oh my god, that's right. I came here to be an actor. Mm -hmm. And nothing's going to get in my way, especially me. Like if Mm -hmm. I have an obstacle, it's not going to be because I'm hungover or because anything that I've done to damage my opportunities, I am doing this clean slate. I did have some money saved up. And I started off on the right foot and in 2014 joined the union and like the rest is history, but it hasn't all been wine and roses. It's been a, it's been challenging. It's been very challenging, but also very worth it.
1: So in 2014, you guys got married in 2007, right? Correct. So from 2007 mm-hmm. to 20, uh, to, I left the bakery at the
0: end of 2013. And then in 2014 is when I, beginning of 2014 is when I joined the
1: union, and so do you think having savings, having worked helped you to, again, bring the joy into the acting so that you weren't worried about the bills? You were able to fully focus on the story you were telling.
0: Yes. And I didn't feel like I was having to squeeze the art out of yeah. my work because I wasn't I wasn't leaning on this next job to pay my bills. Now, what did happen is even though I had some money set aside... Um, I did spend in a way that I've learned not to because I kept like my faith and my manifestation mind was going, I'm booking the next job. And I spent more than I had. And I ended up having to do the same thing over and go, okay, don't, don't count your eggs until whatever that thing is like, until I book a job, I don't have money. Like that's Absolutely. how I had to start thinking. I don't have money unless I book a job, like quit spending this money and going, I'm about to book something like yes. that type of talk is like, it, 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 it's great to keep you motivated, but don't get yourself into debt. Like I did hoping that this next thing is going to happen. Um, yes. because you know, I've had to learn some financial tools and some financial rules along the way.
1: Well, I know that Audrey Helps Actors talks about that as well. And, you know, I wound up taking a wonderful class through uh, SAG Foundation that was all about finances. Yes. And the finances that we have as actors when, you know, one week we're making $10,000 and then three weeks later we're not making anything. And we still have to pay the bills. And we're like, well, that residual is going to come in. But that residual comes in six more weeks later. Yeah. It's <laughs> so how always... do we balance it out? Not worry, bring the joy to the work and focus on that. Yeah. Cause it's a dance, you know, Absolutely. it's a dance and, and, you know, just to circle back because you did ask me about my
0: grandkids who I love so much, but the, um, my stepkids were nine through 16 when my husband and I got together. And, um, right when we got together, we found out that my stepson, uh, his, his girlfriend was pregnant. And so I became a grandma in my twenties. I was a grandma <laughs> again in my thirties and I just became a grandma again in my forties. So the last three decades I've had a grandchild. And it's been so much fun because I didn't give birth to children myself. So to be able to have these four amazing stepkids and these grandkids that just keep coming, I'm just like so ecstatic. I'm so ecstatic. <laughs> well, you,
1: you know, I, I personally just hate the word stepmom. I, yes. I really dote the it. It's just awful. You have been the other mother to these children. Oh, well, thank and you. I see them with you, and I have spent holidays with you and Paul and the kids and the grandkids and. I've been at your house when V is there, and it's just a joy to be around these thank kids. you they, you're your mama, you know, Aww. you're the other mama. so i uh, I know how lucky they are. They know how lucky they are and it's it's a beautiful gift. It really, really is. And Thank Abby, you. I didn't get to meet her. She looks so cute. Oh, she is just a light. Uh, my,
0: uh, my youngest stepdaughter went to take her husband to the airport um, this morning, and so I stayed with the baby and fed her, and feeding mm-hmm. her breakfast, just feeding her breakfast brings me so much joy. You know, it's just like the little things, taking time to stop and look at the little things, and that's just with everything. You know, yeah. life can get so fast and so all the moving parts, and it can feel overwhelming and challenging at times. But boy, if we can reel it back to the moment, you know, thank you, Eckhart Tolle for talking about, you know, now, just like right now, in this moment, everything's beautiful.
1: Right now is great. (laughs) I love that saying, if you're if you've got one leg in the past and one leg in the future, then you're pissing on the present. It's so true. It's so not elegant, but it's a good it's such visual. a visual.
0: That's so true. You're just crapping on the
1: now, <laughs> right? Exactly. Or or that. Or or the other one. The other end. Um, so I want to talk to you about because in 2014, I believe you started writing, producing, right? Yes, let's see here. I think it was 2016
0: is when I okay. met Richie, and I'm actually going to have him on as a guest next month, which will oh, be super nice. fun because we can kind of talk about our story. Yeah, um, but yeah, I met him in 2015 or 2016. I will have to remember. I know we started making content in 2016, so maybe we met in 2015. Um, but it was so great to partner with somebody that had a plethora of scripts already written, because I want to be an actor. I knew how to manage people, so it was like, okay, great. Let's partner up and. Start a production company he had already started magic arrow films and then i you know came on and we you know made it an llc and actually did put the business side to into effect um and you know we made a lot of projects we did a lot of short films and uh a music video and we the feature film and um trailers and wait wait, the feature film underdog yes 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 Yes, so with great. Emmy award-winning actor Kim Estes, who was on the show, and Becca yes. Buckaloo, she was also on the show. Uh, met some really fabulous people and ended up working with a lot of them again in the uh, film that's out right now on for for rent uh, called Weekend Warriors. So I was able to work again with some of the same people. So yeah, that was that was a. I'm glad that I took that business decision. In creating a production company and learning the other side of things, so that I could be a um, more uh, what's the word I'm looking more informed actor because mm-hmm. I knew mm-hmm. the many facets that 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 were in the industry, and I have compassion and empathy for everybody that walks
1: onto a set because we all have such important jobs. Absolutely. And what did you learn from that? I mean, from the from that process, you know, as actors, so often. We go and we have this amazing audition and we think we're perfect for the role and then we don't get it. Mm -hmm. What can you say to that person or those 10,000 people right now that (laughs) feel that way? Yeah. Well, what on the other side of that as well. Yeah, working on the
0: casting side. You know, what I can say is, and this is why I've always said it in in many episodes, is if you get an audition, celebrate. Celebrate Mm -hmm. the fact that you... Out of your little tiny picture, half the time they don't look at your reel. They literally look at your headshot and go, yep, she looks like she could be the person. And then they choose you out of, you know, 1,000, 1,500, sometimes 2,000 submissions. They chose you. So, so a casting director said, so once they chose you, you've already got your job. And you already got the job. And it's your job not to lose it, <laughs> which I thought that was a funny way to put it. Um, but so then, you know, you get your call back. And, and that means you're doing something right. You're like on the thing. And then, you know, when you actually book it, it's just a miracle. But what I can say from sitting on the casting side is there's just something magical that happens when the person who's the person walks in and you're like, there they are. That's Mm -hmm. who we're looking for. And not everybody has that magic with that character. Not everybody has the chemistry. Because, I mean, if you look at the, like, your character on Lucifer, that was exactly made for you. There was nobody else that was supposed to play that character. That was for you, period. And so that's the magic. You know, that's the magic is when somebody comes in and they're like, there it is. It's just so simply you're the one. one."
1: And so because
0: there can only be one you're it out of thousands don't show up as often until we get to that place where we're like an offer only and everybody knows who we are we spend the rest of the time getting to know all these casting directors and hopefully making friends and making fans of them so that they continue to call us in because they might call you in five ten times before you book with them
1: true true Lots of avails. Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, I was listening to um, Jennifer <laughs> Aniston's podcast interview on um, oh, uh, literally with Rob Lowe. And yeah, her, it's literally the the comeback queen or callback queen. The callback queen is what they called it because before she hit Friends, she was the callback queen. She never expected to book any job, and she always expected a callback. That was her thing until she got friends and then it was like everything changed so she was just like oh my god I, I, all I did was do callbacks I just did callbacks that was my job was callbacks
1: yep yeah I remember Susan Sarandon said I kept doing the same thing and wasn't booking kept doing the same thing and all of a sudden started booking nothing changed yes yeah it's like you grow into
0: yourself or your voice changed who knows yeah it's like who knows I'm not even going
1: to try to figure it yeah. out so since we're not trying to figure it out, talk to me about uh, one of the first group things I did at your house was you had a vision board Yes, group and we all came together and there were all these amazing women, lots of magazines, lots. Well, you tear, you don't even cut out.
0: I, tear I, I r- I'm a ripper. <laughs> I'm a ripper.
1: <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I like this girl. All right, she's getting in there." And yeah, that I'm over was here. When first
0: met. That's right. It was your first yeah. time coming over to my house. That's right. It was.
1: It was. And I'm over here. You know, uh, the perfectionist artist, like <laughs> cutting everything out very carefully. Um, so, what is your? You do multiple vision boards. You mm-hmm. you always remind uh, your tribe. You send out an email or. A text about the new moon. I should probably cover myself in all the rocks. I have not done that yet. <laughs> what <laughs> I saw I'm like ah the new moon. <laughs> what uh what is your what what is your path to finding the vision boards and practicing your new moon and. And your love of ritual, it's really a Yeah, ritual. yeah, yeah, it really is a ritual. So the vision boards came about
0: when I was actually a teenager. I remember um, I was probably 14, 15 years old, and I, I did a vision board with my mom and my aunt. And, um, and I kept it for years, and I think my mom still has hers from that time that we did. And I don't know who we learned it from, how it came about. My aunt Rosellen is very witchy. And she's always been into um, like cards, like the the medicine cards and um, and all kinds of like crystals and stuff like that. So it's it's been in my world for for a while. So I remember do- doing the vision boards young and then I brought them back again. The first year I met my husband, I did my first vision board on an actual canvas. It was a really big canvas and um, and I still have it. And uh, so many things from that, from from the house that we ended up moving into that he built to my wedding cake to uh where we went on you know the what what uh what our honeymoon looked like you know like all these certain things i made it 3 years before we got married but i look back at it and i'm like oh my gosh look at all the things that came to pass you know from from when we first met so every year once a year i either do a vision board either like right around january at the new year or in may which is my birthday so one of the two New Year's uh, cycles, I will do a vision board and keep it up for a year. And then every once in a while, I pull out an old vision board because I keep them all. And I just look at all the things that have come to pass. And it's just like a visual reminder of what's possible and a visual reminder of,
1: of what I've done. Um, so I am a huge fan of the vision boards. All right. So I need everyone to hear that her man built her a house. That happened. It's a beautiful house. I remember going to that house for the first time and just being like, wow, this is this is so much love in here. Yeah, it's It's just I mean, the hot water. Spigot alone did it for me, <laughs> so I know the
0: little he things knows he thought he loved, of. Tea. So I don't have to heat up my my kettle anymore. I just get it right from the spigot. I'm like, did you miss anything? Did you did you beautiful. miss anything when you put this together?
1: Well, I mean, I feel like the house needs to come with a YouTube video because I do not how to t- no I don't know how to turn a light on in that me, house.
0: Me either. It, yeah, no, my husband's an electrician and he doesn't know how to work the lights in this house. That's that's one thing I said. God. God forbid, if I ever have to sell this house and I never, ever, ever want to, but God forbid if I did, or if I had to rent it out to somebody, I would have to say as is, I, I can't help you with, with no. the, with the lights. And if something, bright, because I'm he's not the only going one. to figure out, yeah, no, but, and, and <laughs> he's not even the one that installed it. He installed the power to it. Another person came in and installed how they work. And we don't know where that person went. Oh so <laughs> so we have these random lights that turn all these different colors and I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a, a good it's show. A funny thing. It's a good it's a show. Good sh- Our house, a house show. is a character in itself.
1: Our house, it's great. is great. And you have you had that kitchen. I remember standing in that kitchen with you, and you said, "This is the kitchen from my vision board."
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that my husband, no, he doesn't sit and stare at my vision boards. And the vision, that vision board I had done probably two or three years prior. And it was only when we were moving, because it took him a couple of years to build this house when we were moving and I was taking my vision boards down. I went, because I looked and I was like, Paul, Paul, and he comes in. He's like, what? And I was like, look, he's like, what? I'm like, it's our kitchen. That's Mm -hmm. the kitchen you built. And
1: Mm -hmm. he's like, yeah,
0: it does kind of look like that kitchen, huh? And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm flipping my lid right now. So yeah, it's those things that just like they I pop don't in. Know if, yeah, they pop in.
1: Yeah. yeah, the universe steps in. Yeah. So you always say at the end of all of your episodes, I believe in you. If nobody yes. else tells you, right? Yes. Where where was that inspired from? Where did you need to hear that? Or who told you that? You know. That's interesting part. You know, my
0: mom has always been a supporter of me, which I can give her credit to, like, even though I dropped out of high school, and she was not happy about it. But like, anytime I've come up with some weird idea, she's always like, Okay, cool. That sounds fun. <laughs> cool. That's cool. And so, so it's never been shame, or it's never been you can't, it's never mm-hmm. been, you know, so so fr- I think that that maternal uh, connection of of the support, I think, has always been helpful support. I can go that direction. But also, I feel like it comes from I'm saying it to everybody that hears it. I'm also saying. If nobody else tells you today, I believe in you. I say that Mm -hmm. to myself. That is my Mm -hmm. mantra. And Mm -hmm. I want anybody who is not hearing that to hear it from somebody. Just to Mm -hmm. know that some person believes in them today. Because Mm -hmm. I am a huge believer of miracles. And I am a huge believer of all, like 100% is possible 100% of the time. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it's possible everything is possible. And so let me, you know, just be the one person in somebody's ear to sit today to say, I believe in you, you go, you go do your thing.
1: I love that. I love that so much because some days I really do need to hear that. Yeah. And I tell you all the time, I'm like, I listen to your podcast and I have to remind myself because I feel like you're just talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't you're so amazing at this. And it's just such a gift to be able to listen to you selfishly. I believe like I manifested this when I moved away. I was like, I'm, I'm going to miss hearing Amber all the time and getting to be in class with her and seeing her and meeting up for coffees and you know, and, and then you just said, okay, Ogie. You go. Here's a podcast we can listen to and you can have me with you in your pocket.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, part of that must have been manifested through something bigger than you, and you or I, because you and Heather moved around the same time, you know. And like that is my, you know, if I I have a triangle tribe of you, me, and and Heather. And then, you know, I've got other people Holly that have, you know, been such a wonderful, you know, asset to my life. She's incredible. Isn't she wonderful? She's gonna be interviewed here soon. Oh my god. Um, and, um, and so what happened with the podcast is it, it is how it came about to do it every day, because that just seemed absurd to me. Like who wants to listen to me every day? Like what the heck? But what, why I did it every day is two reasons. One, I was listening to Clubhouse when it first came out. Every single morning, I would listen to the Actors Breakfast Club, and I looked forward to it. I set my mm-hmm. alarm, and I did everything around it so I could hear some actor wisdom every morning. And I did that throughout the pandemic. It was such helpful. And I thought, well, if I can listen and I'm looking forward to listening to something every day, maybe there's more people like me and I can tell who's watching or, you know, the people included on the clubhouse rooms, there's so many people that listen every day. And so I thought I like to listen to a podcast every day. And unfortunately, I have to wait a week, sometimes a month for my next yeah. person's podcast to come out. But if, if I had something to go to that I knew I could listen to every day that I enjoyed the content, I would listen every day. So I thought, okay, so let me provide that. Let me see what I can do with that. And slowly it's, it's you know, it's grown and um, there is an audience. There is a group of people that want to be inspired about their day, their actor's journey. And so that's who I'm catering to is, is whoever just needs a bur- burst of inspiration today.
1: Absolutely. And I feel like it's not just for the actor, you know, when yeah. Josh, when my partner and I, when we were driving, we've done a lot of driving over the past four months. Yes, you have. <laughs> We really have, and lots of long, long trips. And uh, I would, I think Heather would do the same thing. We would save up podcasts and then we would listen in the car. And Josh would just be like, She is so good at this. I'm like, I know. Isn't she amazing? And it's for everybody because he related too. You know, I think everybody needs to be inspired. So then I ask you how do you stay inspired? Who inspires you? Mm, You, (laughs) you
0: you know, Heather, my husband. Oh, my husband is, is my, um, my fuel and my rock and my support. And my person, you know, he's my person. He's my best friend. He is, we don't, you know, always see eye to eye and agree on everything, but we agree on most things. And when I'm down, he picks me up. He doesn't Mm -hmm. jump in the fire with me and burn. He stands on the outside and puts his hand in and says, let's go. Like, come on, get up, dust off your knees. Perfect example is in 06, when I ran the uh, 06 marathon here in LA, I'd never run a marathon. And I, you know, it started in March and I started training in October and I was going I said I was going to do it so I did it. And once I say I'm going to do something, I have oh, to yeah. do it. I don't lose, you know, let myself down. But as it got closer, I was getting so tired. I was up to running 50 miles a week. It mm. was insane. 50 miles a week to train. But what I never did, I got up to 20 miles a day that I was running. But what wow. I never did was run 26 miles. And the marathon is 26.6. So what happened on the day of the marathon is I got to the 18th mile and I was done. I was done. I don't wanna do this. I've run enough. I've run 5 million miles in the past three months. I've proven to myself that I can do this. I'm here. I've got a badge. I wanna go home. So I called my husband. I was like, I'm done. I, I, I've I've proven to myself that I can run a part of a marathon. I'm proud of myself. Within 10 minutes, that man got on his motorcycle, weaved through all the traffic, met me where I was and was in his work boots and walked with me until I could run again. And I finished the marathon and I ran across that thing and I got my medal and because he believed in me because he said yes you can i'm not letting you give up i'm not letting you quit and if ever i've had times in acting where i'm like i feel stressed i've got too many auditions like all these problems of abundance he looks at me and he's like "Uh -uh. uh-uh uh-uh you didn't come this far to come this far like go do what you need to do go center yourself go see a therapist go call Ogie. go go do what you need to do and get back up on the horse and i appreciate that so much Did I lose you? <laughs> so I don't know what's happening because I think I lost Ogie. <laughs> which we are at 43 minutes and 20 seconds as we go. So what I will do is close it out and hope that the record is recording is recording and uh, say that I want to give a great big thank you to Ogie. This is the funniest close of our uh, episode ever because I've lost my host